relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people and places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. I mean, how can you be in a bad mood? That's that's Redbeard. You can never be in a bad mood when that voice comes just slithering across with that joyful. <laughs> Ooh, that Ron Funches voice too coming coming to the Patreon this week. Slay, I got that intro coming real quick. Yeah, sure you do. Anyway, <laughs> okay, you'll see. All right, I, I I can't wait to see because I am very excited about listening to that interview. I'm going to go and buy the Patreon so that I can listen to the interview. It's in the Dropbox, dude. You can listen to it anytime, man. Nah, I want. Like, oh, oh, hey, won't you do your job and do the intro and talking shit? And you're like, well, if you want to listen to it, it's in the thing that you pretend not to know how to work a lot of times. Even though you've set up four different ecosystems inside an old furniture factory. I mean, it's actually... And then you're like, I don't know how email works. My name is Mike. I'm just a farmer. Like an indoor farmer, dude. It's actually seven ecosystems, but all right. See? <laughs> See? <laughs> so, I go on about Dropbox being hard. <laughs> I got it. I got it figured out. I mean, if I could tweak the humidity in Dropbox, I would get it so much quicker. I wish you would, though. It, every time I'm in there, I'm like, it's just damp in here. Swampy. Swampy damp. <laughs> oh, this is a fun... We should get to this episode. And I'll, let's... We posted on Instagram today a picture from this, and I said, caution, high winds. And <laughs> Slee bought an extra program. To edit this, we've been telling you guys about this one uh, and some other ones, but this one is going to be, um, there's just a couple times where we're outdoors and you just hear high winds and you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, we did the best we sleeted above and beyond, actually, from what it sounded like while it was happening. While it was happening, I was just like, well, this is... And Sleewood couldn't make that trip. And so that did make me laugh. Where I was like, well, this is what he gets for not being here. Ha ha, fuck you. It's just, it's just, this, just these heavy, heavy winds. This is what you get for not being here. I mean, he usually already has to deal with hours of just my mouth breathing. That is like hurricane high winds a lot of times. So um, this, this he was used to. Where are you doing so much better? <laughs> We're doing so good. And you guys get on that Patreon or catch up because we're going to put all of season one behind the paywall on the Patreon very soon on the first tier. So it's just it's just getting to be a lot. So if you want to hear it, you got to pay for it now. So we're not doing ads yet, but if you do want to do some ads and you have a cool cannabis company or cannabis-related company, hit us up at grownlocalpod at gmail. And we'll talk. Uh, yeah, we usually, we'll yeah, we usually don't represent stuff that we haven't fully smoked a massive amount of. In order yeah, to we're not gonna us. probably advertise weed. I mean, if they want to give us like 
pounds and okay you smoke know what that. you're right yeah. you're right i shouldn't say no before we hear I an know. offer <laughs> what am i doing <laughs> come on don't, don't i'm tired to us. <laughs> i'm not i need to exercise i'm not sharp <laughs> but yeah my diet or something <laughs> alpha brain i need some alpha brain We'll start pushing Joe Rogan mushroom pills. <laughs> but yeah, I'm super excited about this episode. Um, I think I even mentioned it in the interview, but it reminds me of when I would go back to the homeland of Ireland growing up and you just show up to a farm and there's like people from all of the local neighborhood farms just show up. And they just sit there, it, and it's a gathering more than anything else. Well, they want to come see the new person. They've never seen them before. <laughs> I, I came from the country like that, too. And they're like, hey, there's a, there's one of your cousins from Indiana's here. And everybody's like, well, I want to see if they look weird or anything. <laughs> they talk funny. Why you talk like that? You different? Hit him. Hit him with a stick. It wasn't like that. I'm just making fun of where I come from, but it was it was just it was way different than any farm we've been to though. That's that was it was just had a different vibe. Um, it was a way different and, vibe, honestly. Like, um. well, it was also I think you could see neighbors, and that was the first time you could actually see the neighbors that made it interesting to me too because everything else is hidden i guess for whatever reason the past or anything but this one was not you could see really what it was driving up pretty clear and then they had neighbors they also had like horses and animals that was pretty cool too it was a cool little farm and it was generational as you'll see and then there was another farmer from another farm who had really... They have so many cool stories that they mention casually, you guys. So you got to pay attention in these. Amazing. Because I was also trying to do the, the, do the equipment, so I didn't get to dive into some of it. And then, as you'll see, um, the OG... My OG granny lady, she would pop in and just drop dimes on us and then go... <laughs> flutter somewhere else so there was part of the time i wasn't even listening i was like where'd she go we need her back where's she doing <laughs> you look and she's like on the roof fixing the roof and then you see she, she remind me of in and she just say so like i jacked bigfoot off in the 60s and then she'd leave and you're like yeah she did it was awesome <laughs> she reminded me of my grandmom just you know coming in and checking in on the company is like you guys need anything to eat Oh yeah, here's also this story. And it's like, what? Tell us more stories. Such yeah, a great. She knew what story she was doing. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Mike, do the thing, and don't mind the wind. Don't mind the wind. It just it, it gives you a feel of what we were doing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Cherry Valley Farms with Alicia Renata, Tori Chantel, and Sean Cherry.
myself, smoke some herb. Right? <laughs> I mean, it is living. Yeah. Just kind of gives me a balance when I go back to Los Angeles and be like, hey, this is temporary. I'm going to go live on a farm one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> I don't think you guys realize what you're doing around here. What In LA. Just oh. being like, oh, this is so disjointed. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, well, some parts of it are disjointed. Some parts of a city are beautiful, and this cohesion that makes it work is fascinating to me. Like, right. people bitch about the traffic in L.A., but I'm like, you guys, it's incredible that it works. <laughs> mm-hmm. That we all get to go where we're going. People can get anywhere. <laughs> it is fascinating that that, yeah. we, that, that happens. They're like, well, and you're like, also, it's fun here. That's why there's a bunch of traffic. A lot of people want to be here. It's there's a beach fun. over there, and everybody's yeah. going to be there. Yeah, there's a beach <laughs> right here. You can get rich just hanging out. That's how this town works. It's a lottery, and Dress then the mountains silver. are 30 minutes from it. <laughs> but also, I can't breathe, so we do need to move. We need to figure some parts of this out. Yeah. You guys met my brother. That's hey, Zach. Mike, Billy Wayne. nice to meet you. Yeah. Hey, Zach, how's it going? <laughs> Pull up a chair, yeah, sit you down. Want you want to sit and listen? All right. All right. Okay, cool. There's some veggies on the smoker. I'm we'll be ready. Okay. I might have to pull some stuff off. Just be, look Amazing. in there and see what you think. You can open it up. That's what I do love about farms. It's just like, we are plentiful and we have things to share and things to go like mm-hmm. when we were doing eugene and definitely northern humboldt it's like all right let's come in let's do the interview let's do the thing and then all of southern humboldt so far has been like hey come hang out yeah <laughs> just sit on the farm just chill out with us we'll talk some stuff it's cool i mean we're kind of most of us down here are our own boss so we kind of make exactly. our own hours <laughs> so <laughs> i mean <laughs> Our we lunchtime is so whenever hard. we feel like. <laughs> as long as we get yeah. the shit done, we get it done. Right. You and know? then we can relax. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes there's long nights and sometimes there's early mornings, but, you know, mm-hmm. you got to get it done. That's in any line of work worth doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. And at least you want to get up and do it. Just so so you were you were born and raised here? Yeah. I went high school five, ten minutes away. Yeah. South Fork and Miranda. Uh, lived here my entire life except for, the, like, four years I went to CR and, like, fucked around at community college and then I got a job working for the mentor network I was a direct service professional for adults with uh, disabilities yeah it was like every year of my life and then I I went and I saw my I was talking what was happening kind of with the industry my father was becoming ill and I was like I kind of want to be around my dad for a little bit uh-huh did he grow yeah yeah oh, this is the property we this grow. is your family farm yes oh it makes it even cooler yeah. that makes it so you grew up growing cannabis for the most part we weren't like early times like when i was you know up until like when i was 15 or 16 it wasn't like we want to do out in the doors because people were because camp yeah you know people were doing little indoors we had little grows here a little grow there didn't want to have it out in the open especially because we're so we're pretty close to the lower valley we're not yes. out in the woods really here we're kind of you could land a helicopter pretty easy right here yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can see our farm from the road yeah uh, <laughs> exactly if you blow it up here and you don't have the security and you don't have the you know the security somebody can just come and take your shit you know yeah. if it's not the raid it could be some thief you know just wants to come and take your shit so you don't want to attract the kind of heat back early in the days yeah you know now what was that a problem people just stealing or were you more worried about camp Personally, uh, I think my parents were probably more worried about 
they've been ripped off before. Gotcha. So that before they lived here, they lived up in uh, Santa Rosa, up in the hills, up in there, and they they've been heisted. They got tied up, and you know, their crop took basically the money took. Was that when you were around? I was before me. Wow. I, was, I wasn't yet to be. Yeah, that was uh, that's a story that they told me, and that's why I know that you know that, that shit's real. It's not <laughs> like it's not to fuck around with. That you know, story's handed down specifically <laughs> for reasons. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, don't make yourself too much of a, you know, don't make yourself too hot. Because people will, it gets attracted to it. Yeah. You know? I, I got a hair in my mouth right now. One second. <laughs> no way. That's the fun of a big mustache. That's how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> my beard's getting in my mouth. <laughs> yeah, thank you, mask. Uh, yeah, so what was I going off about? Uh, yeah, my parents, they, I mean, I was probably more concerned about getting raided because i've never been ripped off like that but mm-hmm. i know people back then that were getting i mean every summer you knew somebody i was going to get that got raided usually because mm-hmm. it was every summer they came out and did the raids <laughs> so if you didn't know somebody that did the raids you just didn't know who somebody was probably growing <laughs> yeah and it was was that more like everyone looked at it like this is part of the risk is like yeah you will get popped somebody's oh, yeah. gonna get popped every couple of years somebody's gonna get popped it's chances it could be you you know? But that's how you guys grew up, just knowing that. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that was the, that's the old gorilla kind of grow lifestyle. Camp was, season. Yeah. Yep. And how many years did that last? <sighs> Pretty much. I mean, if you call the marijuana enforcement team, that's still Ma- camp to yeah, a degree. Yeah. That's still happening. People are getting, you know, raided from the cops, but now it's legal, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's from the 80s through the 90s. So yeah. about a decade of Two. just. I would I'd say 20 years. I mean, wow. I was camped in, like, more. 2016, like, right before yeah, yeah. it got legal. Yeah, I mean, so. legalization has only been happening for four years. Four years? Yeah. So up until then. Camp. And, yeah. So yeah. wait, even so, with legalization, though, camp is still around? It's not oh, camp shit. anymore. It's the it's marijuana been... eradication team, I think. <laughs> M-E-T. Camp okay, used to be uh, the state thing. M-E-T, MET. M-E-T, I think, M-E-T, is, the, yeah. is the acronym. Yeah. Well, they yeah. just, they need to get more people with better, like, because camp <laughs> is such a fun one. Yeah, it's just so more... You called it getting camped. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. got camped, man. Yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. can relate to the camp. I don't know about MET. That's a yeah, little. So the MET, what are they enforcing, though, as far as legalization goes? It's like more like abatement, you know, the people that didn't go through the process of the legalization but are still growing. Yeah, they're know? going for the illegal growth. So they're going to protect their tax money. Is yeah. Basically yeah. What's yeah. Come on now. Exactly. Yeah. I, I just that. wanted to highlight that okay, for I the thought, listeners. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if they don't do it, people aren't going to go legal. What's going on over there? Yeah. Right. <laughs> they got to enforce it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's going to be, you know, just fuck it. You know? Do they, I mean, just as far as, like, once legalization happens, you get the green dot or whatever on the map, do they just not even pay attention to you, bother you, or is there still a little bit, like... I mean, we get the CDFA checkups and, you know, the county... We get and, county uh, and state inspections. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just what do they drive metric. out here? Metric was they just show up. The they give you a day's notice usually. Yeah, they let you know. <laughs> That's nice. That's pretty cool. Once a that year. is actually nice. Yeah. Up so. in Oregon, they just knock on your door. They're just like, "Hey, oh, fuck that." <laughs> <laughs> you show up in a bathroom. Like, What's up, guys? But they usually, the, the people that I've dealt with are, are pretty easy to deal with. The workers on, you know, on the regular level. Yeah. They're yeah. just the everyday people you call up and talk to. They're just like you and me. They're they understand what's going on. They're cool. Yeah. Yeah. We had our CDF inspection about a year ago, and we mm-hmm. were in the middle of harvest. And like right now, we're not like fully put together, and everything's kind of sporadic out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think I have my waste locked off area. And they're like, "Yeah, you need to put a little fence around that." 
I'm like, okay, it's like you've got like a greenhouse here. You have like your immature batch tag, but you need to put tags on that. All your mature flower. I'm like, well, it hasn't flowered yet. And I'm like, well, it's all in its flowering space. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, well, you got to tag it. I'm like, okay, you say so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I also didn't have my, we didn't have any uh, legal trade skills yet last year at this time. So they were like, you got to get that. And we got a warning for that. You know, but they were, it was all warnings. It was just like, if you don't do this next time, we're going to give you a fine probably. Yeah, that's you what know. they do. They'll come and tell you and you have so long to fix it. Do you yeah. think that once you get farther into legalization that they'll be a little bit more strict with it or? That's what they tell us. I, you know, it's a probably a 50-50 yeah. though because they want to keep us in the tax bracket. They want to, they want us to be legal. They want that tax money, but they also want us to be compliant. Or is it going to be like a tier system where... Like any decent community, like you said, these hard-working, normal people are just like, I have a job and this is my job, mm-hmm. where it's going to be like, you guys, every time we tell you something, you take care of it. So that'll be grandfathered in. And then the, the new people, they can be like, hey, you got to... You got harder compliance because you're new. Because you're, you're new right. and... Well, that's you, already happening, definitely. Uh, There's um, Ordinance 2.0, which original county ordinance 1.0, was a lot less strict in the cannabis licensing. Then Ordinance 2.0 came in through, and for instance, like this watershed, Salmon Creek, uh-huh. it's a restricted watershed. There's no new cultivation permits in this watershed, or expanding. We luckily got in, talked to the planner earlier this year. We were like, we're only 3,600 square feet, can we go up to 5,000, which is still like the same tier. Yeah. They're like, we don't know. And I was like, well, I want to build an R&D, and I need to do this, and I need to do that. And they're like, oh, okay. And then he emailed me back the next day. So I can talk to my supervisor. You got, got the go-ahead, got 5,000. Oh. like, sweet. So we got, I haven't even expanded it yet. I still got 1,500 square feet I haven't even Oh, utilized. that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's I mean, that year. sounds a lot more workable than what we deal with up in Oregon. Like, yeah. Just as far as, like, just being like, oh, yeah, sure, you know, go ahead right. type of thing. Like, whenever there's expansion or just even fun like small little changes it's like okay you have to run that by like five people right you have to show planning you have to show everything so that's cool that they're i think it's largely because I mean, we do grandfathered in to a degree i mean you're gonna have to show them a new site map and all that stuff i gave them the new updated yeah, site map exactly. and the cultivation yeah. plan yeah. is pretty much the same it's, and if you, know. you hit them with the papers you know here's my stuff here's my stuff here's my stuff they're they're pretty cool about it yeah oh, yeah awesome. this means you got to go out there you got to measure out the space you want you got to just take the gis map that you can find online and just trace over that basically and be like okay this is where i want to put my new area is that all right and they'll be like we think so <laughs> <laughs> go, you know we'll tell you next year after you start doing it basically <laughs> but i like this year i was like oh i'm gonna move it north i'm gonna have like an extra 1500 square feet i'm gonna move it into my horse pasture on the north side of the cultivation area i already have and I was like, wait, I have a seasonal stream that goes right out of my pond that's less than 50 feet away from where I'm going to put that. So I can't put it there. <laughs> I had to realize, I'm like, oh, I'm going to fuck myself if I put it there. So I'm putting it to the west instead of the north, where it's going to be more compliant. And I mean, uh, up in Oregon, they're pretty strict about water rights and yeah. all that type of stuff. It seems like they're even way more strict down California here. California strict yes. about their water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. for one, appreciate it because there's yeah. been some really shady stuff that's going on around here. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, one of the things that, that permitting is helping with is the people who are really trashing the environment because mm-hmm. most of the folks here do not want that. Oh. Yeah. And uh, it, that's 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 good enforcement. And it's rightfully so. That's, yeah. what, that's what the government should be doing. Yes. Protecting, <laughs> yes. Protecting I mean, the environment is very important. You guys drove up the Eel River pretty much long today. Yeah. Know? It's a pretty heavily impacted river system. It's got, I think, as much silt in it as, like, the Nile. It's one of the more... Because of logging and then the green rush. Yeah. 
<laughs> fucked up the salmon. It mm-hmm. fucked up that river. Now mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's also got invasive species of squawfish and, you know, it's, it's all tied together because of the, you know, the over industrialization, you know, between the logging and the cannabis to a degree. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, the runoff. I'm yeah. all for regulation if it has a version of protecting people and it makes sense. Like, that's yeah. one of the things that I was excited about with legalization. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mom, mm-hmm. what's up? one sorry i can move some stuff off it <laughs> well yeah well what about oh james, james and i don't know no, outside inside huh? inside i guess i don't okay. <laughs> uh yeah sorry <laughs> we, you know lack of chairs <laughs> <laughs> that's always a farming problem yeah. <laughs> they break when you stand on them a lot yeah yeah <laughs> So then what was your history with cannabis? Are you a Humboldt original or? Uh, I'm not. My When I was 14, my Canadian mother married a Humboldt County pot grower. And nice. he was one of the original guys out in Edersburg. And uh, so we moved here and I quickly learned the art of carrying uh, chicken shit in bags down hills and <laughs> crawling under poison oak and uh, painting chicken wire camel colors to hide it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I was one of those um, haulers. Yeah, that, that sounds like yeah. an amazing childhood. Though. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely kept me in shape. How did yeah. your parent? How did they meet? How did they meet? Yeah. Uh, she uh, came down here. For, my mom was a festival goer. She made all kinds of amazing. She's a local artist, and uh, she came down to some festival here. Gotcha. Okay. I met this guy. Because it's not a destination yeah. unless you have like a... He was living plate. in San Francisco at the time. Okay. Yeah. He was in San Francisco at the time and he had land up here and he was just starting to build a house on it and get it civilized. And so he got married and we was it moved reggae? there. No, no. It was some, some San Francisco. Oh, different festival. In, in, the, in the Hyde Park. Oh, okay. Some kind of, you know, everybody was really high. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I didn't really notice because most of the adults around me growing up were really high. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I came from Vancouver, B.C., a bustling city. Yeah, I love to, Vancouver. You know, I had a high school with 750 people in my freshman class to a high school that had 150 in total, South Fork. I also went to South Fork. Oh, you did? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a interesting thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they grew these... 15 foot high sativa plants. Yeah. Yeah, this is before a lot before of Before the indica got here, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just that was starting to come in. So you'd see these little squat, you know, purple looking right, things with next cola. to the sativa. Before <laughs> a lot of this really, uh, you know, breeding came in and out. Hybridizations. You, you wouldn't be saying to somebody, oh, yeah, man, this is my purple, you know, uh-huh. dog lotus blossom stuff that I <laughs> got from, you know, so and so had the, you know, daffodil, whatever. Yeah. It was just. Good shit, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's intimate. Yeah, it wasn't like that. It's really, it's interesting to watch it. Is there anyone still growing that sativa like that? Yeah, there are people who do uh, land race strains. Yeah. Do those old strains like that. Uh, it's it's a niche market for sure. Boutique kind of weed. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. Uh, a sativa. It's actually a Thai land race cross in my personal. And I'm crossing it with another Thailand race. From and I Bowie. actually have a, a Thai uh, female sitting in my mother room right nice. now. Yeah. That's awesome. Just because. Cool. I mean, yeah. they're cool. 
Well, yeah. those are the ones that should be protected, especially as we're going forward. That's all fine and great, and mm-hmm. everything looks amazing, but mm-hmm. also the original stuff. The preservation genetics. Exactly, yeah. so mm-hmm. that we can fully understand this plant and be like, okay, so that's what it was before we crossed it a thousand times back right. into itself and across. And it's like a yeah. tool, yeah. like being able to reverse yeah. engineer things. Yeah. And I love it all. Blocks. I mean, I love the orange sherbet crossed with you know, Chem Dog 6 by Purple Daddy. I mean, that's, that's cool. Yes. It comes out different. But I also really like the the original genetics and what they were like. Yeah. And it's good just to have those metrics, like you were saying, you know, so yeah. you can actually yeah. try it and be like, oh, okay, I know why this one does what it does, and now I know mm-hmm. why this one does right. what it does. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the Scarlet Fire Goji cross, because the Scarlet Fire has a little bit of Durban poison in its parentage. Mm-hmm. It, like, leans a little sativa. That's you can kind of see it in its structure. It's a little lankier. It's not the squat, you know, little plants, but it's also got it's an OG, but it doesn't lay you out. So it's kind of nice for like a daytime stoner. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you get high and not like get laid out. Those like, are I my could favorite. still I could still operate. Yeah. I can still do stuff. Absolutely. In the daytime, you know? Well, and especially for me, like the first the first Don't outdoor mind if scene. I do smoke some daytime. Yes, please do some daytime. <laughs> please. Uh, the first couple of summers that I w- did outdoor was all just golden pineapple mm. back in the day. Mm. And, like, 20-foot-tall plants yeah. where you could, like, stand inside. And I was like, <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Stretchy. Yeah. <laughs> but having that beautiful sativa side to it oh, where yeah. you could smoke it all day long and you're like, I'm ready to get back right. into a 100-degree greenhouse. Yeah. I can keep working. It's, it's great. A little trippy My even, favorite. you know? Yeah. Kind of like Delta 5 THC yeah. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So as far as being a young kid in the growing aspect and stuff like that, how much do you think growing has changed just technique-wise and come back to revisit itself again type of thing? Well, it's, it's, it's huge, especially since as people came more and more out into the open, the whole way of cultivating changed. Yeah. You know, if you don't have to haul down all your nutrients down, you know, really steep... <laughs> uh, degrees uh and you can actually do things um like permaculture gardening and have uh things where you can look at them all the time and they're right out there in your backyard and i think it it changes it in terms of attention and how much you can really be there with the plants details yeah able to really pay attention to the details Yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah and you're not having to hide it and but the biggest change i believe is the collaboration that's possible now between farmers the Without way we're able to talk to each other and share things and, and talk in the open uh, yeah. about what we do and how we do it and share secrets and be fine with that. Yeah. You know, it's not some There's less stigma about engaging with each other. Right. Because it's legal. Now we can like, okay, this is nothing, there's nothing more to be like reserved about. We're right. all doing it. Yeah, we don't have know? to pretend that we're buying turkey bags because we, you know, <laughs> make five chickens a day. It's not, you know, it's, yeah, it's exactly. a real, real thing now. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I always loved, like, I I worked at a grow shop for a while and just how much of, once again, a community effort it was of everybody just sharing ideas, trying to figure stuff out and being like, okay, well, we all like this, so how can we do it better type of thing. Mm -hmm. Evolve the methodologies slowly by integrating different other people's stuff. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like music. Yeah. Yeah, man. (laughs) There's definitely an art to this. Oh, that's one of the things I've repeated on this podcast a bunch is like when I first started growing, even accidentally, you know, which is the first time I grew, (laughs) um, 
I was like, my project was like, I want to see how little I can do to this plant. It was mm. like some Girl Scout cookies that had hermed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've learned all this since then. Nice. <laughs> You're getting the terms. Yes. <laughs> I found the seed and some bud is what I used to say. The back seed from the hermy plant. <laughs> and I just dropped it in this little garden I had in my backyard. And I was like, I'm just going to do the least amount of work on this and just see. And it was so easy. Mm-hmm. And what I got on the return, I was like, huh. I uh, I wonder what, what happens when I give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can make this, I can do better than this. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's still amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, kind of what I did this year. I was kind of doing a low impact farming. I was trying to see, again, I wasn't trying to, I was, I knew because of COVID, I wasn't going to be able to do a lot of help. I wasn't going to get a lot of workers and, you know, mm-hmm. help me leaf and, and while I can do other shit and experiment. So I was like, oh, let's see how little I can do <laughs> and still make a nice good crop mm-hmm. and I mean just simply you can do it I mean efficiency you know mm-hmm. try try not doing what you're thinking you need to do and see if that works because <laughs> you might not be need to do it <laughs> and the metaphor is so much like that I think that's the cool thing about what I was when I started growing too is like oh this is like a real good metaphor for life in general my diet changed I've said that a bunch on here uh, because I realized real quick what I put into this plant it reacts to good or bad. Yeah. And then you're like, no, this. Mm-hmm. You just point it. You're like, oh, <laughs> damn it. You are the same. And then a lot of it I realized, too, the next time I built this little box, and that was just more about seeing if I could build the box. Right. Um, and see it through to the end. A planter box. Yeah. Well, it was just hidden, too. Right. I did a lot of, you know, it was just, I was being a little boy is what I was doing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. Um, And I just realized that way, like, I kept getting in my way Mm -hmm. trying to do too much with that one. Right. And I just learned, you know, and then you start applying that to your life. You're like, oh, I do that in this part of my life too, so I need to get out of it. Oh, this could be like a tool for me, Mm -hmm. this hobby. And I'm like, I'm going to have to explain it to my wife. That I'm not just growing weed. She's starting to get it. Like I got a personal relationship with this plant. Yes. Yeah. It's a way to work on your soul. Man. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been a lot cooler <laughs> growing this weed. Well, just for me being like a city guy and coming out here, I grew up right outside of Philadelphia, and coming out here like and working with this plant, it now teaches me how I interact with the world, and I'm like, oh, I take this lesson from it. Just as far as it chilling me out, right? Uh, becoming a farmer is on to a whole nother level. So I, I'm ultimately jealous of you guys being able to experience that at such a young age and just in a developmental sense yeah. with it. Like, you know, I'm sure with camp and other things, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. And yeah, I definitely grew up with a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you learn which strains relieve that anxiety the best? Uh, the one I smoked the most. <laughs> <laughs> What did you guys have any real interactions with them, or were they just over the hills a lot? Um, I never personally was saw them uh, raid my my weed, but they raided my weed. Ah, <laughs> I was, saw them about fifteen feet above me in know, a helicopter. Yeah, in a helicopter, uh, and the, you know the trees were all bending. You can see the guys with their guns leaning out. You know, and my stepfather's like, "Run!" I'm like, "Yeah, no problem. I'm out." <laughs> How so, old were you when that happened? Fifteen. Yeah. How does the the 15-year-old brain make peace with that? 
Well, I mean, I guess I'd been raised in counterculture the whole time. So uh, I didn't, it was just an extension of that. It was already kind of normal. It was all kind of normal, yeah. Kind of like someone yelling, bear. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I was raised in the kind of culture where you do not talk to the cops. Yeah. You, don't, you certainly do not tell grandma what's going on. You know, you, you have a different, when you show up at family reunions, uh, you, you don't talk about you do a lot of your contracting. Life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first so two years I was out here, I told my mom I built yurts. Yeah. You see? There you I don't go. know how to use mm -hmm. a hammer. There's a lot I of don't. bricklayers out here. <laughs> I can show you right now. And I can show you how to use a hammer right now. <laughs> I got hammers. <laughs> yeah. But I, I understand. Like, I don't know. In my mind, like a lot of our listeners, for them, counterculture is buying a Nirvana t-shirt and being like, fuck you, I'll do whatever I want type of thing. Mm -hmm. But to actively have your government going to war against you and your family, like that's a whole nother level of counterculture that you have to make peace with. And you're like, oh, well, no, it's you're you are the counterculture and the other people that would they are they are emulating what they think it is because of the cool part of it. And you guys are doing this. It's like it's like someone with a Che Guevara shirt on, and then you guys are fucking Che Guevara. <laughs> They're smoking the weed. We're growing the weed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. A lot of this, you know, back to the Landerus movement that started in the 70s and 60s is, you know, got, was from the anti-authoritarianism that mm -hmm. was built from the, you know, the the post-McCarthy days. You yeah. know, like that's the, kind of the culture that was sprung from here. Mm. So people have an inherent distrust of authority. <laughs> well, and everyone should. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 45. Uh, back in the day when they were busting all the gorilla grows out here with helicopters, they'd take all the bags of weed that they they'd land a crew and then they'd take all the weed by helicopter and they'd take it right down here to the river bar. Right? Uh -huh. and they, in a big pile and then they would burn it. Right, uh -huh. you can smell it at the high school. It, the, yeah. the road goes right bar, right by the river bar, uh -huh. and the school bus went right by the river bar, <laughs> and the kids were watching them burn, uh -huh. and the bus driver made them roll up the windows. Oh, you got to roll up the windows, and all the kids are going, "Oh man, that better not be my Christmas." Present. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes our trip to Mexico. Exactly. Oh, there goes, and it was like that's how these kids grew up. Yeah. You know, and back in the day, it was just like, you know, helicopters overhead. They, they hovered over this house many, many times. So, but we never had anything here then. Yeah. It was back, like back in the 70s and 80s. You know, they'd be here, it was like right overhead. <laughs> so, so then having your children out there doing that and watching that type of stuff, how does that feel as a mother, though? Like, I mean, my mom would be like, stay the fuck away from that. Like, how does, how does that feel? Well, it was... I don't know. He's my older son was more because it was legal, more legal when Sean was growing up yeah. than when Zach was growing up. My older son, and well, they learned a lot of disrespect for authority. I like they that. They learned that That's the cool. BLM is nobody you like, <laughs> and it does not mean Black Lives Matter. No. It was like, Different oh BLM. no, the BLM—they're the guys that would go out into the woods here and bust all the gorilla grows and stuff. 
We all had CB radios too. No, yeah, we, land management. Yeah, yeah, yeah. explain yeah. that. Already I've explained podcast, that. So yeah, we're down on that. Because yeah. definitely, as an East Coaster, I had no idea what the Bureau of Land Management was. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah, learned uh, interviewing this lady that owned a bunch of big tigers and stuff in Peronta, Nevada, about the BLM because she lost a cat on the BLM. What the? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. No worries. So, and. Even even to jump on the BLM, how does that feel as far as being out here, this is your community, and that's technically your land? Like, I mean, the BLM, all that land is our land, ostensibly. I was totally disconnected from it coming from the East Coast and not knowing it even existed. But you're here, and that's your basically next-door neighbor. Mm -hmm. How did that feel being like, well, that's our land. I can go do whatever the fuck I want on Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. uh, Well, it's everybody's land, though. Yeah. And so if you're going to do something that impacts other people, it's not necessarily uh, yours. Um, And one of the problems was is we'd get people coming from outside of the area and they would set up grows in BLM land and they would booby trap them Mm -hmm. or they would arm themselves or they would be killing animals up there. And I don't. uh, So I think there were some legitimate stuff that was perfectly fine to do out there they didn't bother anybody yeah. and then there were things that were just not cool on public land if you want to or just not cool really period be, just yeah not cool period and especially not yeah. cool when just somebody's kid or somebody's dog can get hurt out there yeah, well, yeah. no we, we talked to uh some some people in the first half and that were kind of anti-cannabis to start with and he talked about just as a hunter that problem like walking up in these trails just as you know you're hunting which is and you walk up on booby traps or somebody's guard. He was like, that was a danger. And I was like, see, I can see where that that kind of farm, that kind of farmer is mm-hmm. a but that's, problem. That's not a cannabis problem. That's an asshole problem. Except, well, okay. Absolutely. In the same vein, I, I was going to get to it anyway, but this is a great <laughs> way, is after going uh, to North Humboldt, which was mostly where my where I had traveled before, and then we interviewed some people, and then they started talking about South Humboldt. And we were like, we're going to have to come back and do this other wonderful part of Humboldt we don't know about. I rewatched Murder Mountain. Mm. And uh, a friend of mine helped produce that from, like, a Hollywood standpoint. Uh, so I went back, and I was like, I remember there were parts of it I didn't dig the way they did it. And then I, I re- rewatched it, and I was like, oh, because... They want to make this this thing seem special to Humboldt when it's not. It's just hillbilly bullshit. <laughs> right. Whereas, like, there's I'm from East Tennessee in the Appalachian Mountains. Like, yeah, there's some mountains you just don't go up because that's that's their land and their whole territory, mm-hmm. and they've been waiting for somebody to cross that fence so they get to shoot them. That's their whole. So you're doing a disservice to this place mm-hmm. for sure. Because you're, you're saying it's special to this thing. And then as soon as we got here this week, we talked to a couple of people, and I mentioned Murder Mountain, and they were immediately like, yeah, that story's not even true. Yeah, and, it, and then there's not even a real Murder Mountain. There's like four, and there's two over here. And I was like, <laughs> this is even better than I thought. <laughs> because the part I enjoyed about Murder Mountain is they did go to the OGs and the, the original hippies and talk to those people. But they didn't tie it together correctly. And that's why that's more. 
I think that's why it's we're like here. anywhere else, like in any city, you know, there's places where you don't go yeah. at a certain Absolutely. time. There's things yes. you don't engage with. And when you're, when you're a person from there, no matter where from is, you know yes. mm-hmm. where you go and where you don't. And it's the same here. And, and for me too, it just seemed like being a Eugenian and, you know, seeing once it hit Dateline and other stuff like that of people just being like, I'm going to come out and do that. And you're like, oh, well, you're also kind of a bad person. Mm-hmm. Why are you coming out here? Just stay away, please. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even imagine to what degree that's happened in Humboldt. It's just as far as it being known as the cannabis place. Lots. You guys watched, I guess you guys watched that happen. We did. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, years ago, when there were, it was all Gorilla Gross out here, there was a guy that owned a wood stove store, Calvin's Wood Stove, right before you got to Eureka. He sold more black pipe than anyone in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> and they came in and tried to commandeer his books, and he refused. He want, They wanted to know who was buying all the pipe from him. Yeah, and um, the old guy that owned the store, he refused to give up. Up and the, the BLM and the federal government were like pressing him big time and trying to get find out who was buying all this pipe. There was black pipe all over these hills, you know. Yeah, people Probably were going out line? on little two-wheel motorcycles and going way out like on Gillum Butte and stuff, mm-hmm. and planting all these huge crops out there, and hauling all the dirt and stuff on little motorbikes. Yeah. Yeah, balanced over their gas tanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd run pipe from, oh, my God, you know, they'd find a water source and then they'd run miles and miles of pipe and shit. And that was well, way back. And then there was, there, but it was even before the helicopters. And the helicopters started coming out in about the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then things started to get kind of more intense. So, I mean, people were... St- coming out here and trying to do it and trying but it sounded like for a while there it was a lot more community based Mm -hmm. and then there was just waves of kind of outsiders that probably shouldn't have been here trying yeah definitely it was definitely a bunch of the back of landers hippies who came out here and wanted to homestead and grow their raise their kids in a in a nice environment and then realized you know it takes a lot of money to homestead yeah it's not easy you got to build from scratch it's hard you got to Putting in a garden even it takes money, so you know marijuana was one of those things because a lot of them were uh, turned on, smoked <laughs> weed. I'm like, well, this could be a cash crop. This could help us achieve our goals. And a lot of it was very much uh, ecologically based and you know, well, wanting and to it, live good lives. It's not a drug that hurts people. No. It never has been. I don't believe so either. Of course, you know, you, you can do that if you want to make it your life's goal to sit on the couch and be stoned all day and do nothing, but that's got nothing to do with the weed. I was going to say, I was going to say that. <laughs> nothing to do with the nothing weed. To do. That's it's a your lack of will in your own yeah. relationship. Yeah. And so then we got famous and people started hearing about Humboldt weed and the Cincinnati we were growing here and, and it got famous in Amsterdam and different places. And Amsterdam and Humboldt did a lot of trading of strains back and forth. Cool. Uh, so it kind of developed this uh, coexistence. So then people started coming here who didn't care so much about the original values uh, that were here. They yeah. really just wanted to make money. And that's when some of the trouble started, for sure. Shortcuts and lack and of respect. And just not caring. Yeah. Yeah. Because the yeah. first farm I ever worked on, there was a 20-foot by 100-foot greenhouse, and it was just all huge cannabis plants. 
but then it was also in orchard where they grew all their food you know they had cattle they had everything they're like hey if we grow this weed it also helps us to pay for all the other farming stuff because most people don't realize agriculture and farming is insanely expensive the infrastructure mm-hmm. for it just mm-hmm. trying to get you know crops ready because some plants don't even produce for the first three years that you have them grow it's a lot of loss yeah yeah and with livestock too there's a lot of loss a lot of costs hell yeah yeah that's what I grew up. My grandpa was a cattle farmer. Oh, So yeah. I understand that. Um, that game, it's a game because you're risking, you're buying st- cattle when they're young. You want to put some weight on them and then sell them. And you hope it works. You do. <laughs> and something could co- come through systemic yeah. and what, you know, that can happen here too. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And that was always an interesting perspective because I had never dressed the part of a farmer or any of that thing. So, because, just, you know, my mom was an English teacher and my dad's a football coach and my grandpa's, you know, that, so I had this, I just, this kind of understanding that, like you guys are talking about, that farming's expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and when I went to college, like, I would see these people, like, make fun of these, these well-to-do f- farmers in college. And I'd be like, those guys have way more money than you guys do. You you don't understand. They have more cash than you ha- on them right now than you have on your bank account. And you just see them like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the successful farming is like, that's impressive. You, you just see it just go over their heads in this way that I didn't really understand until I got older. Was like, oh, that's that's going to be a huge problem in our country <laughs> that they don't understand this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The heck, the Ford dealer up here in Eureka was selling new trucks every October, November. It was like <laughs> new trucks, new trucks, new trucks, new trucks. <laughs> like, and finally, the feds were like, "Okay, we want to see all your, we want to see all your records. We want to see how many, who, who's buying these trucks." And all of a sudden, well, I mean, we're not getting all this tax income from <laughs> all these people, but yet you've got huge truck sales and uh, people going on. Huge trips, you know, going to travel agents and getting, you know, so being they, gone they wanted, January. They finally came up here and they wanted to find out, you know, they were like going to all the businesses and trying to track all the records and see where the money was. Was it the state or IRS? Uh, the, I think it was the federal government. It probably was the state along with them. Yeah. Because at that time, the state, California, was uh, wanted to wipe it out. They didn't want it. You know, they weren't getting the tax money. Exactly. They were like, you know, they were spending it. You know, they were paying all these guys extra money to, you know, fly in the helicopters and stuff. They would get all these cops from Sacramento and stuff, and then they'd get double time. They'd yeah. Come out here and you know ride around in a helicopter and you know act like big shots and bust all these grows. <laughs> I mean, it is fun to ride in a helicopter. Let's let's. I mean, let's be honest. It's... Until until. Uh, proposition 215 that changed that kinda, it but that took a long time even to get rolling you know mm-hmm. people were still like yeah, i don't know you know was that was the medical the medical and yeah. then that's when and the then, gr- that's know, when the it, bad started coming in right because they could no, stack those things before oh it was before yeah because the medical was small Mm-hmm. And you could, you if you were a small farmer, you could put the white crosses out in your field, and you could be, yeah, I'm growing medical, and you, you know, have a couple friends that give you a medical. It's a small farm thing. It's not, you know, like we have, we had a whole bunch of people from Bulgaria who came over here with a bunch of their crew, mm-hmm. 
uh-huh. and they would do these big, big grows, and they were kind of scary. Gotcha. Was and it people organized were crime? Doing, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Eastern block organized crime? Sure, and, yeah. and then we'd also get Mexican mafia coming up here as well and, and growing. Just huge. Just, yeah, and I think, yeah, big grows. Now, yeah. would they interact when these organized crime elements come in? Would they try to become part of the community, or they were just like, this is our thing, you leave us alone? They were not part of the community. No, matter of fact, they kind of started taking over, uh, maybe it was a little uncomfortable for for our down-home, yeah. you know, everybody knows each other, Yeah. happy little community. You yeah. all those you big, have people around here that are a little scarier. Houses with uh, powered by diesel generators, mm-hmm. and the, uh, for a while here, back in the nineties, they were just like at night. You'd, you'd go outside, and it would be all lit up. And it looked like they were that. having football games all up in the hills and stuff, uh-huh. because people had huge generators going and lights. And then they were, you know, so everyone started to get upset about the ambient light in the middle of the night, you know, and the generators. Diesel trucks going up and down this road. Double semis full of dirt going up and down this little one-way road. <laughs> yeah, so just, just as far as that, you're like, you guys, come on. Yeah. Like, How much do you need? Yeah, it's like, uh, this. you're going to fuck the road up at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, they didn't pay any road dues because a lot of them didn't live here. Uh-huh. You know, and the, this is county road until the end of the pavement. But no, I know how that oh, works. 2017, I think, was the last year. That, um, and there were literally double semis going up and down this road every day, one after another, and then diesel trucks going up, and it was it was just insane. Yeah. So, but and they weren't they weren't local people, you know, doing their little home down home thing. It was big you know, industrial kind of grows and lots of diesel spills and, you know, it was just kind of nasty. So the, the yeah. Bulgarians coming here, oh, yeah. where would they oh, have no, gotten the been... idea to even come here? Oh, they're okay. famous worldwide. Yes, so, so it's just the part of the no, escalation of the war on drugs. Um, I have some really good friends that um, bought property in Panther Gap back in the 70s. Yeah. He turned into be one of the biggest growers in Humboldt. And um, it was about was before the fall of the, um, the the curtain, before the fall of the wall and stuff. And uh, so they were here in the mid '80s. They already came here. There were Bulgarians out Panther Gap back then, and these guys were monsters. <laughs> they were like they had to like carry a surveil propane finish refrigerator all the way up to the top of the mountain where they had their little grow on their backs <laughs> they'd be there diving into the Matol river in the middle of the winter with spear guns going oh it's not cold like my country <laughs> 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 and then more and more and then um a lot of hamongs from thailand Really? Yeah, and yeah. the Hmongs and the Bulgarians kind of joined together too in a little bit, and they'd be working together. And uh, they used to be out in Panther Gap, then they moved out more to Blocksburg area and stuff. And they're still there, but they're not as many. Really? Yeah. What kind of farming? What kind of farming? Oh, they were growing cannabis. But like how, like indoor or outdoor? Oh, uh, they're mainly outdoor. Yeah. Pretty. Although they might have had indoors as well. You know, there were. There were big indoor diesel grows all over the all over the place here. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge greenhouses. You could put an airplane in. Really? Oh yeah. 
especially out in Panther Gap. Those guys would just went crazy. Well, <laughs> why? Why there? It's far away from anything. Okay, it's far away. Yeah, Panther Gap. You go the bigger. It's all the way to Honeydew. Yeah, until Google Earth kind of, you know. It's an hour. It's an hour and a half. If they get. If they get robbed, you're out in Honeydew and you're getting your crop robbed, you call the cops, they won't be there for at least an hour and a half. It takes them that long to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So you That's can really if they're see on them coming. Yeah. So if you're far out, you're going to know that the cops are coming up your road yeah. well before they get there. Yeah. You know, people have radios and now people have cell phones, yeah. so you don't need the CB radios. Well, they used to have, have guys but, at the gates. Yeah. They have locked gates. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And before like the seven. helicopters, they have lock gates, and they'd have a guy sitting at the gate, you know, and they'd be like the Maytag man is what they called him on the guy, and he had a radio. And he'd go, uh-oh, sheriffs are coming in, you know, and so everyone would get ready. Yeah. But um, well, then when the helicopters, they started using those, then they couldn't tell. But then on came on radio would announce where the helicopters were seen, where they were going, where the convoys were seen every day. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we just learned about that yesterday. Yeah, Ed Denson and uh, the the report, the Civil Liberties Monitoring Project. Civil Liberties Monitoring Project. They were great. Yep, they go, they and they were the ones that really spearheaded the whole getting these helicopters to have rules. Yeah, like you couldn't because we had a couple of horses that died because helicopters would come down and panic the horses. There's all kinds of things that happened that were not cool. So the Civil Liberties Monitoring Project, headed by a bunch of people that well respected in the community, uh forced them to obey rules it couldn't come yeah, down there was a five, 500 feet 500 they had feet. just cause if there was a naked woman in the garden you could not go down there so of course a lot of us you know oh they circle you stuff like that uh you could not hold children you know at gunpoint on a couch yeah. that was kind of really important not to do that yes um, don't shoot people's dogs you know this kind of thing yeah so um there was a kind of a coexistence going on for a while when these rules got put into place. And finally, they realized there's no way we can enforce this. I remember the first year that they were talking about getting this permitting going and legalization going. The sheriff talked at a community meeting and he says, look, we have identified 1,600 grows here in Southern Humboldt alone. (laughs) We have the personnel to enforce 62 of them. Exactly. (laughs) This is no longer a law enforcement issue. And so... Now we have what we have. Does that feel like a victory? Does that feel like after everything you guys have gone through that you're like, yeah, well, we beat them. Fuck them. Yes and no. I find bureaucrats to be a lot more scary than policemen. Oh, yeah. They have a lot more power. You know, and it's a little bit scarier to have a letter show up in your mailbox saying, you can no longer grow cannabis and you're going to have a $10,000 a day fine until you stop and you rip all your plants out. Then somebody calling you and saying, hey, camp might be in your neighborhood today. It's a different kind of fear. You know, one is like, okay, well, maybe they'll come and get my stuff and I'll replant next year or maybe I won't and it's cool and, you know, as long as I'm not there. And one is, you're screwed. You stop or you, or you lose your land. You're just mm-hmm. done. You're just done. Yeah. So I think it's a big choice. Um, Oh yeah, they were it's a big choice in terms of do I continue to do this without permitting and maybe have a huge problem, or do I go ahead and permit, or do I stop? It's, I mean, yeah. just even uh, up in my friend group, a lot of people are like, "Oh, I'm not even going to get a medical card because then I'm on a list and then I'm really fucked." And then the same thing with legalization—they're like, 
oh, this is probably going to be a trap. And I'm just giving them my information, just letting them know. A lot of people felt that way. Yeah, they thought, oh, and this is a conspiracy. They're going to go down the list. They called it, they thought it was a hit list. It was going to be a hit list. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, and I, it has not turned out that that's way. That's not, I mean, but that's not a crazy fear. No, no, not it's at all. A, it's a, because it's they just do a concern. Know. And yeah. then if you are not in compliance, then yes, they can come. And, um, yeah. And they haven't made it easy. This, the people, who I think, who first put together the plans for this weren't really growers. And they had some very crazy things that they were trying to get us to do. But I think as the years have gone along, they've consulted more, and more growers are now in working with the county, and the, the, the rules are getting a little bit more sane. There's still some ridiculous stuff. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Such as? Well, okay, I have decided that my plants do not lose leaves <laughs> until I harvest them because I am not going to pick up every single leaf that falls during the year and weigh it and assign it to a tag. I'm not doing it. So now I grow plants that don't drop their leaves. <laughs> that's that's the way I've, I've dealt yeah. with that. And a lot of people do that now. Because <laughs> up in Oregon, we're supposed to weigh out anytime we manicure mm-hmm. a vegetative or early flowering plant, and I'm yes. like, I got like 700 plants to do. You want me to stop every other minute to weigh out? And you're like, oh, I topped this. I up trimmed this. Right. You, you want me to farm. weigh that out? Exactly. Yeah. 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 I think <laughs> it doesn't stop you, anything. You hit on a note about like, you know, the people that got on the list, mm-hmm. you know, who went for the permitting mm-hmm. and then dropped out. They were probably the first to get abated too because they were on the list. They mm-hmm. got like, oh, you know, this person, they wanted to go legal. They're probably growing, but they, they're not going legal. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to just stop that. And the people, you know, that got on the permitting route and then half-assed it were some of the first to just get fucked. <laughs> well, I mean, and that's, for me at least, this is the only thing that I've done in my life where a high school graduate, like just straight out of high school, can't replace me within two weeks. Like all my other jobs have <laughs> that's been what like... you think. <laughs> <laughs> but all my other jobs are just... Very easily replaceable. I'm, I'm still easily replaced. But the thing that scares me in Oregon is there's parts of it where the OLCC, if they believe that you've done something personally that makes the cannabis industry look bad, they have a right to revoke your worker's oh, permit. And really? To ki- and to also kick you, if you own a license, they can not re-up like your license within a month. <laughs> it's almost like a morality clause yeah. in the NFL or something. Get honorably like discharged that. for like... <laughs> exactly. And that's a terrifying thing, especially when you're in the public or you're doing like, you know, podcasts and stuff like yeah. that. You're like, well, wait, you can just make me not able to do my livelihood? Like... Right. Do we? I don't believe we have anything. Thank God. Like yeah. That. <laughs> that does not sound right. Same. Yeah, I would not want to have to be like a, the representative of cannabis culture. <laughs> Just like, you know, yeah. this is all on you. <laughs> <laughs> but they are that stringent. Yeah. And when you give in to putting your name on a list and being that visual. Yeah. You give them the authority. Especially after you've been underground and been like, oh, if this house gets busted, I'll just go start another house. Uh, yeah, I, I did. We did have to take some big breaths, you know, like, okay, here we go. Yeah. yeah. The rules are changing. Yes. Basically. Mm-hmm. The game has just changed. It's in are constant stay flux. In really? Yeah, That's mm-hmm. the, I mean, that is the mentality you have to like kind of take where it's like, mm-hmm. if you don't, you either have to go deeper into the woods and start doing it that way or... 
learn to play their game. Mm. Right. It is a game. And if you play it well and you treat the people well, they're, they're good to work with. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of good people to work with, too. I mean, it's, Lots. you know. Yeah. Well, most of, people don't, even on either side, most people just want their gig to be pretty manageable. Yeah. So, and there are, you know, there's the handful of people that like to hang out of helicopters above people's houses. We right. have to acknowledge that they exist and maybe <laughs> give them better errands, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yes. I mean, better. I have a friend, we talked about this yesterday. It's like, I have a friend I grew up with who went the law enforcement route and ended up flying in helicopters looking for pot in Tennessee. Shit. And... I gave him shit constantly <laughs> for it. And he's like, look, we don't, he's like, I've never even really arrested anyone. We just go in and right. rip up the plants. He's like, most of the time they're on these farmers property that have no idea it's even on there. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, but fuck them, dude. It's not. And then he got transferred because he didn't choose to go there. They just assigned it to him. He's young dummy. I did have a shirt that said, uh, it had a marijuana plant on it and it said, <laughs> I did not point that out to him. Yeah. I did not point that out to him. That what he what they call hitnecks here. Exactly. You know the the old town redneck ranchers that kind of decided that, whoa, I can do this instead of doing this. Compare raising weed to raising cattle. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Or do a little bit of both. And then the photo is not mine. Right. I don't know why that. I don't know how that weed. We don't know. Well, I didn't point that out to my friend. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I was like, oh, yeah, farmers never lie, dude. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I gave him a shirt to wear, and it, it had uh, the five pot leaf pl mm -hmm. plant, and it said laughter is the second, or, uh, Laughter is the second best medicine. Mm. And I made him wear it underneath his jumpsuit. <laughs> He sent me a picture of it. He's That's like, awesome. He's like, two dudes thought it was funny. He's like, our, our, our the guy in charge did not. Supervisor see the wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> Undermining his authority. Yes. <laughs> Don't point that out to us. Yes. But then he got transferred to Arsid, and I was like, hey, you're doing real work now. So. Yeah. That's real shit. So, but he is. Yeah, that it's just an interesting because it is that you have to accept that there are these type of people that. That's what they get off doing. Mm -hmm. So you have to give them the right pathway. Yes. Yeah, a route to be an authoritarian. Yes. <laughs> yes, because like you said, it's like the you BLM. There are going to be people up there doing stuff they don't need to be doing. And we need people that will be like, I'll ride in a helicopter up there and get them. Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like fun riding around a helicopter. It, it, I've done yeah. it once, and I was like, I really get this. Yeah. <laughs> It's a roller coaster, is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the pot, I never understood fighting against. Even I remember seeing it on television and asking my dad, like, you know, the big burns they'd show. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, I just don't. Why is that plant bad? <laughs> right. Yeah. And he couldn't. You know, he changed the subject because it was like. I can't. Nobody's got an answer. Well, and I was also, I was <laughs> also not old enough 
to understand the answer of like propaganda and the Hearst <laughs> right. family because my dad is a history teacher too so he understood it what yeah, they the, did yeah, knowledge but yeah. i was like nine so i would have been like what's well, propaganda do you know what i mean <laughs> right so well, we're talking about henry onslinger <laughs> exactly <laughs> a little deep yeah so what would you as southern humboldt residents like to correct about the your reputation well i've basically ignored what p- people think our reputation is uh so i'm not entirely sure answer. because That's i could cool care answer. less <laughs> but you know we're just people yeah like anywhere else and um we raise our kids and we love our dogs and you know for the most part most of us here really care about uh, the stuff we grow being organic and good medicine for people. Um, I, I know that, that you guys and I and other people that uh, we collaborate with are really into permaculture and organic. And I just feel like we're just like doing our thing every day like everybody else is. I think, you know, just like a lot of everywhere, there's highs and lows of, you know, the culture. And, like, there's people that are, you know, doing, like, the pinnacle of being stewards of the land and then there's mm-hmm. some people that are you know here for greed and just yeah. like anywhere it's you know just like it, anywhere there's nobody's layers nobody's you know the monolith of that culture you know there's it spreads there's a you know spectrum of that yes yeah so it's there was this yeah. one interesting thing i went to eureka one time and i was talking to this young man behind the counter and i said hey you should come down you know the sun and humboldt it's beautiful down he was complaining about the fog and the rain he says oh i don't want to go down there i'm like well why not he says all you people have guns and stuff i'm like that (laughs) that is not the way it is it's not like that at all it's a peaceful loving community don't go striding 20 miles off in some direction where you don't know where you are and it's a bad idea anywhere yeah yeah you're gonna get lost in the forest you don't know who you're gonna meet or in the concrete jungle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's a beautiful, friendly, lovely place to be. Just like anywhere, be aware of yeah. your surroundings. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's the responsibility as yeah. a human being. It's your obligation. Did you well, have... We, got a, we had a, the first cannabis murder here back in the 80s on up Salmon Creek. And that started the reputation for here... Because actually, the locals caught the guy that did it. And the sheriffs were like, you can do whatever you want with him. <laughs> oh, yeah. care. And we ended up getting a reputation. I have a friend of mine who uh, bought a place here back in the 80s. And she said, oh, my gosh, we came up from Paso Robles and we were looking for property. And we heard about Salmon Creek. And we weren't going to go by there because there's people <laughs> that hang out of trees with machine guns and stuff. Well, <laughs> oh, wow. Well, not quite. But... Kind of. I mean, there was it was a community here that watched over because there's only one road in, one road out. Yeah. You know, and they everyone watched everyone's back at that time. Well, yeah, you have to take care of your yeah. own. When you do, when you are a uh, subculture, a guerrilla culture, you cannot call the police. You have to rely on each other to yeah. take care of each other. Because you, you couldn't rely on the police at that no time. No way. Either. You couldn't. The, call, the, if you had a crop in the care. field and you needed help, they would come and take your crop and not give you help. Yeah. So you didn't call him. You called your neighbor. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think I ultimately love and why I stayed out on the West Coast is there is this everything on the East Coast is already figured out or at least structurally figured out. Out on the 
West Coast, it's a lot more wild and you have to look towards your neighbor and kind of build it from the ground up as far as community goes. And as far as like being able to trust somebody, I living for the first three years out in Oregon, I knew my neighbors 15 miles down the road way better than I knew the people that I grew up next to, like <laughs> next door to and like crunch suburban lifestyle, you know, like it, there is a more community based, you know, mentality out here. Yeah. Mine was the opposite because I knew everybody down the whole damn road both ways. And then when I moved to a city, I was like, well, let's get to know. Oh, no one really wants to talk to me. Okay. <laughs> this is not how this works at all. Okay. Okay. Don't a couple people. I know a couple people in this apartment. But yeah, there's always like an old person that just like some overly, oh, you're lonely. I made a mistake here. Okay. Well, the one plus here is we have our own public radio station, mm -hmm. KMUD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And. You know, KMUD would have the, the CLMP announcement and announce where the helicopters were. What's that stand for? Huh? What's that stand for? CLMP? Uh, yeah. Uh, Civil Liberties Monitoring, Monitoring Project. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was covered a couple of years ago or something. They came up and did a whole thing on Humboldt and they were going, oh, these guys, they even have their own, like, radio station and everything, you know? It's like, what well, we do. They, yeah, they compared us to organized crime at one point because we had our own <laughs> radio station. I was like, but we're just a community. Because <laughs> yeah. you're well, protecting the, your civil liberties. <laughs> yes. The old man that used to live in this house, his grandson lives here now, and he's lived here for since oh, for years and years and years, 40 years or something, or more than that. And whenever the convoys would go up the road, he would be on the radio, and he'd be telling the people up the hill, oh, they're coming up. Yeah. Yeah. And he was an old dyed in the wool redneck and everything, but he was like everyone's, <laughs> you know, little watchdog. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. This is, this is above and beyond, you guys. You take a picture of the nail. I couldn't ask, and I acted like I was like, oh, because I do that a lot on this. It's, it's my role. Is uh, What's the black pipe for? I couldn't figure that out. Okay, so that's what they're talking about as far as like protecting the waterways and the wildlife that goes on. These beautiful ecosystems of rivers and creeks that have existed for eons out there in California when uh, the cannabis farmers first got out there and they needed water. They just can't dig a well if they're like a black market grower or anything like that. So they would actually take you know, either fireplace piping or some type of piping, and they would divert the water from the rivers to feed their cannabis plants out in the middle uh, of the woods. So, you know, we talked to some growers so already. So the dude at this, this stove shop was like, mm -hmm. he's like, this is, 
I'm doing way better than I ever thought I'd do in this business. <laughs> People love fireplaces. And like I love that. that the revenues are came up there and they're like, hey, can we see your books? And the old man was like, nah, dude. <laughs> no, nope. ain't shutting though. down the money fountain. <laughs> I'm not that stupid. I know what's going on. I'm not on. doing anything <laughs> illegal. And this money tree is like, it's this is it's great. <laughs> what was up with that tiger thing? I, I knew you were going to ask that. We totally skipped over it. I was like, wait, what? Well, that's how that's how I knew. I was like, this is a, usually when I mention that, people are like, go on about the tiger lady. I did that, I hosted that documentary a couple of years, a couple, three years ago, and we ended up in Pahrumpa, Nevada at this lady's compound. She owned a bunch of big cats. And it was like the the back of her property is like where the BLM started. That's how that's the only reason I knew how what BLM and all that was to begin with. Like even when the Bundy stuff happened later in Oregon, I could explain it to people and like, How do you know? I'm like, I was hanging out with this lady who had a bunch of tigers in the desert in Nevada. <laughs> And then they usually just be like, now what? And they don't even ask about the BLM. But that's how I knew about it because she wanted to do, I think I think she wasn't being very clear with us because we had cameras. <laughs> but I think she just wanted her cats to be able to run around back there. And then, you know, if they catch them or whatever, it's fine. It was just this weird... That's yeah. Let's let's introduce an evasive species that's an uh, alpha There's predator and just throw it the fuck out there. It's Nevada. When we go there, that you talk about nuts. You you think the hills? We've up in these hills and you're like, this is nuts. No, let's go out in Nevada where no one cares about anything. <laughs> Like, can you fuck desert. up? Yeah, you can fuck up. We were testing atom bombs out here, so go ahead. <laughs> Do what you want. Uh, you guys, thanks for listening again. This was a fun one. This next, The next one's going to be good. It's going to be good. Crazy. And that is the wonderful thing of this episode. We were talking to the dude, and he was like, you know who you should interview. And that'll lead us into here soon, the next episode. Yes. Yes. This is how we get it. Yeah. This interview is like. Exactly. Opens the, all the, the doors. It's just, it's very interesting how the gates get open in Southern Humboldt. Guys, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want to. Hit us up. Follow us on Patreon if you got some dough. Uh, you guys are the best. Grow your own. Love you guys. Play it sweet. <laughs> Thank you.